Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Liberal Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Liberal Cubicalist. Today, my friends, it's TV Tuesday. Yes, television. Tuesdays combined at last. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. Folks, I like saying that on a TV Tuesday in which I'm going to do a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> hint, hint. Not really a hint. Just telling you what it is. Because a sort of Doctor Who catchphrase is spoilers. So, you know, that's something that is of interest, perhaps. And perhaps not. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. <laughs> oh boy, no, no, no. That is ridiculous. <coughs> the only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend, perhaps. Or a companion. Huh? Friend or a companion? Yeah, other Doctor Who reference there. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes, because that is what helps others find podcasts. Hmm, interesting, interesting. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business, which is today's sponsor, which is the new Chromebook with the Bad Wolf user interface. Once again, today's sponsor is the new Chromebook with the Bad Wolf UI, or user interface, if you prefer. Thank you to them for sponsoring the this. Okay, so, if you have listened to many of my TV Tuesday episodes, you are not at all surprised that today I'm going to talk about the most recent Doctor Who episode, because, boy, did that feel like a long wait to anyone but me? felt like I was just friggin' waiting and waiting and waiting. But, despite that wait, and despite seeing little tidbits that made me get my hopes up very, 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 very high, totally came through and met and exceeded all my expectations, and I do not think I am alone in this fact. It was the 50th anniversary, which means, if you do a little math, that Doctor Who, Episode 1, came out in 1963. That is just mind-blowing. A show that is older than, well, I am by, like, some quite a number of years that would involve doing math that I can't. Uh, I don't ever or extremely rarely actually rate television shows on the podcast, uh, but I'm going to go 5 out of 5, just because it deserves it. It deserves that mention. Starts out with the TARDIS being picked up by a helicopter. Picked up by UNIT, which is, I believe, an acronym for something, but I can't remember what. It's sort of like the British secrety, servicey, Area 51-y thing, behind the scenes, aliens and stuff. You know, those types of people that all government, all governments have. I wonder what, here in Canada, what our alien secret service X-Files type thing is called. 
<laughs> That's funny to picture in Canada having something like that. Maybe I've just stumbled on a conspiracy, and uh, if this is my last recording because of that, you'll know what happened. You'll know. Anyways, uh, the doctor is taken to these people who he kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of has a working relationship with in that they will occasionally need his help. In this case, it had to do with uh, sort of the tip of the iceberg of the story, which was uh, Gallifreyan art, which was a very, very cool idea because their art will hang on the wall, however, will be... 3D and bigger on the inside, much like the TARDIS. So you can sort of look into the painting, and if you look at it from an angle, you can kind of see from the angles and stuff. Very, very cool idea. It sort of emphasizes the point a little bit that the production values from when I first started watching Doctor Who have likewise skyrocketed, I do believe, with the fans watching it as well, I think. One of these paintings is of the Time War, the sort of I think you I think you can call it like the fall of Gallifrey. Or is it? Mm. This is where we are introduced, or perhaps more accurately reintroduced, to John Hurt. John Hurt, who's playing an incarnation of the Doctor. Incarnation of the Doctor Who <laughs> Doctor Who. Who oh there it is again. Who Matt Smith and David Tennant, other more recent incarnations of the Doctor, do not like to think about, do not like to dwell on him because of the horrible, horrible thing he did. And that was kind of hinted at in the, uh, was it a series, series season finale, the last episode? Or is it just sort of broken up that way? It's kind of weird how Doctor Who episodes come out and how they're so spaced and you don't know where sometimes one season ends and the other begins. It's all very confusing. Timey-wimey, you might say. <laughs> Anyways, what he did, Mr. John Hurt, was um, kill all Gallifreyans and Daleks, which that was a little bit of a sticking point for me because the Daleks have come back how many times in this series, despite the fact that apparently he killed every single one of them? So that's strange. Sort of that uh, doomsday device that in order to stop this war, stop this war that was going to wipe out all of existence, and again, that was never sort of explained to my satisfaction that the Daleks and the Time Lords fighting would mean the destruction of all existence. I don't really get how that worked, and it was never explained. So, what the Doctor, in his John Hurt skin, decided to do was kill all of them in order to save the rest of existence. And he felt very, very bad for doing so, as you do, because they're his people, and it's not like he just killed the men fighting in this war. No, no, no. Women and children as well. The cool, sort of a cool thing they did about with this is that the Doomsday device had a user interface. A sort of, uh, I don't know if you could call it holographic or psychically projected user interface that was in the form of Rose Tyler. So uh, it was a cool way to bring back a much, much loved former Doctor Who companion without sort of just say, oh, here's Rose. It was sort of from the future memory of a doctor. So uh, again, timey-wimey stuff, mind-blowy stuff, lets you kind of do whatever you want to do. She was this consciousness that was inhabiting this doomsday device who, with John Hurt, was trying to 
get him to make the right decision as far as should they set this bomb thing off? Should they not? Should they do it? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's basically how we open <laughs> with freaking what I've said so far. We then move on to David Tennant. David Tennant, who I will say, probably, I'm not sure if it's just nostalgia or the fact that he actually is my favorite doctor, but I'm pretty sure he's my favorite doctor. Uh, although Matt Smith's so good too, it's very, very hard to choose. Perhaps I should just not choose, because as I say to the kiddies, when work is hard, don't do it. Ah, advice. Anyways, uh, we cut to a scene with David Tennant in the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth I, specifically. He's with her because sort of the bad guys in this episode are these shapeshifters. Uh, I realize I haven't written down the sort of alien name for them, but they do have one. Let's just call them the shapeshifters. So these shapeshifters were sort of trying to take over Earth, as you do in a Doctor Who, and that rhymes, and you know it rhymes. Despite them being the sort of bad guys of this episode, it almost felt like, well, I guess it was, the sort of secondary story. So they were sort of trying to replace Queen Elizabeth with one of their own, and that's when shit starts to get interconnected interconnected through a time tunnel, a sort of time vortex that opens up in front of Matt Smith. So he throws his fez through it, as you do. Throw fez through time holes, yeah. Uh, David Tennant then gets this fez, and I think, does he throw it back? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, no, no, yeah, Matt Smith then jumps through after the fez, so they're sort of, like, together. Together again at first, and at last. They then re-throw the fez, and it sort of is the signal for John Hurt to come through this timey, wimey tunnel. Oh, this tunnel that was created by the Rose Tyler user interface, by the way. Uh, which means the three of them are together. For what reason? Well, for the reason that John Hurt is trying to decide whether it is, in fact, a good idea to set this bomb off. And, I guess, talking, interacting with incarnations in his future is a good way to decide to go about doing that. Yeah, that actually does make a logical kind of sense, so good on them. Uh, I mentioned those shapeshifters, and I mentioned those 3D paintings. Now, when you combine those by putting a shit ton of shapeshifters within these 3D paintings, and then just sort of them letting them sit on the shelf for hundreds of years, what are you going to have? Well, you're going to have an invasion of Earth coming out of paintings from Queen Elizabeth times. Is what you're going to have, which leads to a very, very cool situation. And uh, I like how they went about this. Because they were shapeshifters, you couldn't tell which was human and which was not human. So, what they did was, the doctors used this uh, mind-erasing device to erase from everyone's mind whether or not they were human or shapeshifters. That way, when they sat down to negotiate their terms, as they had to do because if they didn't, a nuclear bomb was going to blow off, go off and blow all of them up. So, negotiating the terms would make it the most fair. Uh, you know what I realized on that note is that the terms they agreed on, um, I don't know what they are. They they just sort of touched on that without actually factually telling what they were. Interesting. This is all taking place within a section of that unit 
I mentioned before, within the Tower of London, where all the sort of badass uh, weapons and alien technology have been accrued over the years, which fills up many rooms, because apparently aliens like to visit the UK quite often. Uh -huh. So, during all this hubbub, John Hurt is racking his brains as whether or not he should go through with this killing all Gallifreyans and Daleks in order to, I guess, save the universe, however that might work. Now, the three of them together have the combined Asian experience of thousands of years. Combine that with the fact that John Hurt, a early incarnation of the Doctor, is able to affect things in their past, give them some very, very cool ideas and plot points that, if you are unfamiliar with Doctor Who, probably going to be hard to get your mind around and into that fact that, say, uh, John Hurt is going to start a program running within his sonic screwdriver that then David Tennant will keep running and then the program will be finished because it's the same sonic screwdriver, just with an outwardly different casing. Things like that, just friggin' mind-blowing. How do they come up with these things? I, it, uh, so many just shocking and amazing moments like that in this episode. I had, <laughs> this is kind of, to emphasize my nerdishness, I will do so now by saying that throughout the course of this episode, multiple, multiple times, just goosebumps. Nerd bumps, I think is probably what you would call them. Nerdy goosebumps? Nerd bumps? Yeah, patent? Did I just patent a word there? I may have, or have I heard that before? I don't know. I won't take credit, just in case. Anyways, the other reason it's good to have these three doctors of super intelligence together is because they come up with the idea of, rather than blowing up everyone, they are going to use the TARDIS to phase the planets in this war out of the standard universe into its own sort of pocket universe. That's the kind of takeaway I had. It's almost as if it will be frozen in time. Mm, interesting. Now, one TARDIS does not have enough energy to complete this task, so what do you do? What do you do? Well, we have the three of them here right now, so obviously you have three TARDISes, or TARDIS eyes, yeah, or TARDIS C's. However, that's not enough power either. Oh, man, if only we had 12 more incarnations of the Doctor, or 13 in total. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. So this is, I think, the first episode of Doctor Who ever in which every single incarnation of the Doctor that has ever had, including one, Peter Capaldi, who has not yet had his time in the sun, made an appearance. Not an actual factual speaking role, or a lot of them you didn't even see. For example, even Peter Capaldi, who is the next Doctor, you only actually see his eyes, but that was one of those goosebump, goosebump, sorry, nerd bump moments for me. Just, oh man, this guy's going to be good. So with the combined might of all these TARDIS eye, they phase Gallifrey out of existence into a sort of pocket, time-stopped universe. One point I didn't really get here is that what happens to the Daleks, they kind of said, and this didn't really make sense to me, that the Daleks would then kill themselves in the crossfire, as if, picture this if you will, all Daleks firing on a planet from every single side, then the planet is sort of winked out of existence, and all that firing hits the Dalek ships in a sort of crossfire. 
Uh, yeah, when you just say it, it makes sense, but there's got to be examples of them turning off their weapons and not killing each other. I think, I think. Lastly, uh, and this sort of keeps the, the time stream in line with things that have happened before, and that is the fact that when this was all said and done, John Hurt and David Tennant are going to go back to their respective times. However, uh, and it was explained, but it's one of those, you might as well just say sciencey reasons or throw in the word magic. Yeah, for magical reasons, their memories are going to be wiped of all these events, and they're, and John Hurt's still going to think that he did destroy the planet. So, that sort of kept all previous events in check as far as having that attitude of, oh, I can't believe we did this, and really affecting their personalities and making them the men they are today, or rather, the Time Lords they are today. I should say that this has opened it up for Matt Smith to look for Gallifrey, because now he knows it hasn't been destroyed. So that's sort of what we're going to do now in, in the next episode. After, I assume, the Christmas episode, one thing I was surprised about, I just want to say before I wrap up and get into work, is the fact that I thought this was going to be the Peter Capaldi's first episode. But no, it seems we got uh, at least, I assume, a couple more with Matt Smith on his search for Gallifrey. So uh, I'm kind of happy about that. I, I kind of like that we just got a little tease, little tease of him, and then Matt Smith is going to have sort of a opening, a, a closing story devoted just to him. Yeah, that's a that's actually a good way to go about doing it, and I don't mind it. Folks, I gushed all over Doctor Who there. Oh boy, did I. I think probably you can hear the sort of excitement in my voice talking about this. And I hope you share that excitement by watching this as well. That will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address. Mailwood.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.